0: You're on Energy Groove Radio. We're live around the world from energy-groove.com on TuneIn and iHeartRadio. My name's Brad. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, a very, very established musician uh, on the Australian music scene, Tim Wheatley. He's dropped a new single called Lying Low. At the moment, uh, I believe he's lying low all the way in the UK. He joins me on the line to talk about the single. Tim, congratulations on the song. How are you going?
1: Yeah, you know, holding it together. And uh, like you said, Lying Low over here in London and... um... It's been, well, albeit a dark time, um, quite beautiful and summery and by all means not too much of a chore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I understand the UK summer is reasonably pleasant in comparison to its winter.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the antithesis of its winter. And uh, it's, you know, I, I look at it as somewhat of a celebration of after everyone survived the last seven months in the dark.
0: Um, okay, well, we better talk about Lying Low. Uh, from what I understand, it was actually written quite some time ago, um, but it seems to be more poignant than ever at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's funny how those things work out. Uh, no, I couldn't have predicted that, but um, I wrote it when I um, first moved to London, which is a little over a year ago now. Um, And I was more or less writing about casting my mind back home because I felt so lonely and isolated when I moved here in London, not knowing anyone or the lay of the land here or anyone in music. And I just sort of found that no one, you know, and I was in my 30s thinking, okay, I I don't think anyone really understands what I'm going through at the moment. And rather than complain about it, I sort of just kept to myself. And so I, I, I penned a lot of songs in that time. And this was one of those songs. And then, of course, a year later, I am actually in isolation, uh, not by my own accord. So it sort of rang true and became truer by the day in a sense, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, it sounds like you're a bit of a typical man. Instead of talking things out with people and reaching out, you uh, stick to yourself.
1: Yeah, look, a a little bit. I mean, I find there's always, um, you know, I, I did have a plethora of first world problems. And rather than water down Um, you know, the the means of communication with everyone else with my petty problems I decided to sort of keep to myself and get through it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you find that songwriting is quite cathartic for you and does help you get through uh, you know, any particularly challenging times you're having, personally?
1: You know, absolutely. It's it's my my go-to and I think you'll find for most songwriters that's the reason they got into it in the first place is because it sort of becomes so natural, but there was there was a time a few years ago where I was questioning pursuing music and moving back home and you know my my life was sort of up in the air and so I thought oh well I'll take some time off music but to get myself through that time I found myself referring to music and picking up the guitar more than ever. <laughs>
0: Do you want to walk us through um, that process of moving to the UK? So, from what I understand, you were in the US. I think you were in LA. Um, so, what kind of brought you to LA in the first place, and then shot you over to the UK? Um, in in I, I was touring. I started off touring
1: um, in Australia. I did a few EPs and touring up and down the East Coast for a number of years under the moniker of Crooked Saint, and then I changed my name to Tim Wheatley when I when I moved to. Los Angeles. You know, there was uh, I felt more distance between uh, my father's last name, etc., and and being able to sort of branch out as Tim Wheatley in Los Angeles, where the name didn't hold as much weight. Um, and and that was sort of a coming of age for me. It was also when I felt after a few years of touring that I was comfortable enough to come out as Tim Wheatley. Um, and so when I was there in Los Angeles, I, I found the Americana scene was, um, you know, it was rife. I could I could play around California you know, five times over before, you know, I I can even cover Australia. So um, it it made sense and I was over there for a number of years and then the move to the UK was my uh, my wife got a job over here and um, I decided to pack up and take my songwriting elsewhere.
0: How did you find, I guess, the transition from the US to the UK? Uh, It sounds like you hit the ground running when you went into LA. Was it similar in the UK?
1: No, no, no. That's a, no. I, um, Los Angeles was sort of, um, yeah, much more palatable and a lot easier to slot into. This time round in the UK, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have anything lined up, and um, we actually landed during that big winter storm, the Beast from the East. And I thought, coming from California and landing into that was just um, just a shell shock. And um, and so, yeah, that that. But, but from that was um, was born some hard times and some and some, some good songs. I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, tell us about, I guess, the making of this particular track, "Lying Low." So you recorded it in uh, Australia, I believe. Um, tell us about that yes. and who, who you worked with for
1: that. Um, I went back to uh, um, my old compadre Michael Badger, um, and he um, he used to play with me in the Sparrows for a number of years. We've been in bands together since we were 15, 16 years old playing the SV, and um, um, we've continued making music for the last God, 20 years together. Um, he produced this track. Um, I'd already recorded a number of the tracks for the EP in Byron Bay with Stephen Shram, and then I came up, went back and this song just, it just just reared its head once more and I thought, okay, I'd like to get this one and another couple down. So I went back to Melbourne and did some recording there with Michael Badger and um and then Stephen Schramm mixed it in Byron Bay. But um it was the first time I'd sorta of got the band together and in in a number of months, in about six months, I, I was I was really itching to get this one down and and develop a, a little bit more of a harder sound to what I've recorded in Byron Bay as well. There's a, a lot more down the folky line, the old folk line, which you're probably more accustomed to with my music. Mm. Um, but with Lying Low, I'd spent a lot more time in London by this point and wanted to sort of get a little bit more in your face with it, a, a bit more instrumentation and development there musically. And Michael Badger was the man for that.
0: <laughs> I mean, it certainly is a, a rockier sound and it has um, a lot of guitar in there, I've got to say. How many guitars are we hearing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> i got to be honest, I got asked this the other day. I'm still no closer to figuring it out. There is that many tracks in there. Um, well, certainly for me. Um, um, but I also think that Michael Badger probably got about four or five extra tracks in there without me noticing it. <laughs>
0: um,
1: certainly in is, is a rich tapestry of, of a multitude of them in there. But um, mm-hmm. the Dobro was done separately as well in Los Angeles. I had a friend of mine I sent that track over to him and I just said, can you find something else? And then, um, and then almost the part of the job Michael Badger put some sitar on there as well. So I, I, I don't know what's going on in there.
0: It's great. There's a whole <laughs> a whole range of flavours happening. Um, I do love it. It's very, very well laid. So congratulations on it. What's the uh, When you can eventually come back to Australia and start playing this track live, what's the band set up going to be? Is it similar, a similar band to what you recorded it with?
1: Yeah, look, I'd say so. Um, uh, I'd say it's going to be, I'd like to get some more keys in there and, and, and add a lot more, but I oh mean God, I'd love to have the E Street band coming along with me in an ideal world, you know, <laughs> an army of musicians, but no, you're, you're sort of um, bound by budget these days and time, but I mean, I'm probably six months away from even having to think about, <laughs> about the band set up as oh. well, sadly.
0: <laughs> um, the music video is quite something as well. Uh, it looks like it's shot. Uh, is it shot on Super 8? Or uh, I don't know my cameras particularly sure well is, at all. It
1: is. My good friend um, and director Ben Cook uh, approached me in Sydney when I was talking about trying to get a uh, clip done before I left for, for London again. And uh, he just said, I've just bought this new Super 8, Super 8 camera. You know, But there is a catch, and that is that every two minutes of film is some ungodly price. Uh-huh. Um so we we took the, the super 8 to way into the Sony studio and we were finding it impossible to record at that point because that was during the bushfires and everyone had closed down the city it was 45 degrees and there was no one there around christmas so they had to allow us and give us special consideration to get in there into the studio with no one there in the building and and <laughs> do the thing so it was almost in another post apocalyptic isolated world there as well
0: isn't it amazing the things you have to do to get some music recorded during these natural disasters? I
1: tell you what, I tell you, what, we had this mostly done last year. and We thought, no, let's wait till 2020. Much better time.
0: <laughs> Famous last words, there.
1: <laughs> Isn't it? No, my my advice to anyone out there is just get it out when it's ready. <laughs> you never know what's in store for you around the corner.
0: Exactly, we have no idea what is next. Um, so, tell us: is lying low going to be forming uh, anything bigger? Are we working on an EP or an album? What's what's coming up a little later on in the year uh, slash next year?
1: Well, I got um, my album done mostly for uh, for a release last year, and um, oh. Uh, and then when I got to to London, we decided, okay, let's put this off a little bit more, so that I can come back and dedicate a lot more time to touring in Australia, which was scheduled to be this year. Um, however, obviously, um, the, the cards the cards were dealt, and uh, we had to make do. So we what we've done is we've turned this. I've grabbed a little collection of songs from that album and turned it into an EP, okay. um, called The Night Without Shakespeare, which will be coming out in a couple of months.
0: Oh, well, that's exciting. Um, Tell us about that EP and what were these songs that you chose? Were they kind of structured similarly uh, thematically?
1: Yeah, so these songs here were the ones I picked from from the um, 12 or 14-odd that we'd done for the album. And and these five here were all written right there together um, and sort of followed a theme of me sort of being a little bit rudderless upon my move in London. Um, it's a lot less country because these were the songs that I sort of did when I got here in, into London and for whatever reason, that's the way I was winning. So, um, so it was almost, those songs almost were inconsistent with the album that I can sort of bring out, which will probably be a lot more consistent later on in the year or probably early next year, realistically. Okay. But um, we called it A Night Without Shakespeare because the... Um, one of the facts that came through to me, I mean, we better get a fact checker on this actually, but one of the things that came through to me and one of the fascinating things was that on that first night of isolation, I think it was on March 19 when the whole world had shut down, it was for the first time in 200 years that there was no Shakespeare playing in any theatre around the world. Really? Yeah, it sort of makes sense. I mean uh, anyway and if it wasn't I'd like to think it was.
0: <laughs> I mean I had no idea that Shakespeare was playing uh, somewhere in the world every night anyway. But um, there you go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think there's still still a lot of purists out there.
0: Yeah, well I mean I'm sure he's responsible for a lot of the stories uh, in popular culture now anyway uh, because it's really just regurgitated Shakespeare yep. everything isn't it?
1: it is. well you know he's, he's the um what, the rom-com and the dramatic master he's a uh, He's predicted it all. Every every movie is basically
0: just a replay of him. Um, Well, that's exciting that you have the EP coming out um, and then at least you have this album ready to go whenever you can actually get it out um, and celebrate it properly. Has it given you a different perspective um, on the Australian music industry, having spent so much time uh, in, I guess, the UK's music scene and and LA as well?
1: Um, I guess, I guess... um... But, uh, I guess from a distance it looks a lot more. It might not seem like a big family there or something like that, but there is a camaraderie there amongst Australian musicians and the music business. When you come back and get to see it from that perspective, and every, I mean, it's also very small. I think, and what I do love is coming back and just sort of almost seeing everyone in one hit most of the time, and it's a bunch of friendly faces, and looking forward to coming back, and seeing a lot of them actually.
0: Yeah. Have you discovered any artists in the UK that um, you're now a fan of?
1: I have. The first guy I found here, he's an American, though, oh. but he came over here playing. That was um, Timothy Showalter, um, what's his band called, Strand of Oaks. Um, and I had the opportunity to see him at a, at a bar here and had to just find out more about this gentleman as soon as I saw it. It was quite incredible. And the story behind his last release and, it's inspiring and um, gives hope to everyone that hasn't quite got to the point in which they'd like to on their tour.
0: Uh, well, Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you about Lying Low. Congratulations on the single, and I look forward to hearing a lot more from you in the next coming months.
1: Thanks, Brad. Hopefully we get to catch up soon.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Hopefully when you're in Sydney next.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, next. Yeah, well, got, I think I've got a lot of quarantine and, <laughs> and hard time in between then, so uh, fingers yeah. crossed.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I think you might have to spend a couple of weeks in a hotel room.
1: <laughs> can, you spot, can you spot me a good one?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I don't uh, have that many friends in high places. Sorry, Tim.
1: <laughs> uh, no, that's right. No, that's right. I'll figure
0: this out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of the English summer.
1: Thanks, Brad.